Hey everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Michelle Lee, founder and CEO of Clever Carbon. Clever Carbon is a climate startup focused on one specific goal, improving the world's carbon footprint literacy. In other words, they want to help the average Jill and Joe understand the consequences of their purchases, right? They buy product A, what impact is it having on the world? They buy product B, what is that product's impact on the world? And they do this in a number of different ways. And so in the episode, Michelle and I will discuss how exactly she went from studying cancer genomics to running a climate startup, the different product initiatives that are helping Clever Carbon improve the world's carbon footprinting literacy, from their coffee menu to the Spotify playlist, Michelle's perspective on language and how exactly brands should be talking to everyday people so that what they're trying to do resonates and activates behavior change. And finally, the long-term impact potential for a company like Clever Carbon. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy our conversation with Michelle Lee, founder and CEO of Clever Carbon. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Michelle, let's set the stage. What is Clever Carbon? I think on the surface, it's a really simple concept, but there's so many layers to unravel and we do a lot of different things. But in a nutshell, what we're trying to do is raise carbon footprint literacy. Just maybe the number of calories that you should have in your age range and your gender should be, let's say, around 2,000 calories a day. People don't know what their carbon footprint is per day. There's no guidelines set by the government yet. And additionally, most people don't know that they actually have a carbon footprint. So what we're trying to do is help people understand those concepts in a really easy, hip, fun, and relatable way. And ultimately, we want to pave the way for carbon labels. So just like you go into a grocery store, you can see all the breakdown of the nutritional content. We want the same thing for a pair of shoes that you buy. So you can compare Nikes and Adidas or a few different types of oat milks or oat milk and dairy milk, as an example. I love it. And we'll get into exactly what products you're doing to help manifest that future. But before we get there, I'd like to help connect the dots because if someone were to look at your background, they'd see Michelle, master's in cancer genetics, running these large-scale teams at some of the most well-known companies around the world. Help us walk through how you went from a master's in cancer genetics to now pioneering a startup in the climate space. Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I was when I was young, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I went into science because I felt like, okay, if I'm going to do something for a living, I might as well, you know, help other people. But as I went through my master's program, I quickly realized that what I really enjoyed doing was collaborating with other labs, working together with them. I loved presenting the work that I do. And I I love doing my work too, like doing experiments. And sometimes I have to 
go in at midnight to look at an experiment. But I really love the presenting aspect of it. So I actually went into consulting afterwards. I worked for a medical device market research company, worked there for about four years, really wanted to branch out. And I was living and working in Toronto. That's where I'm from. But I found it really hard with two science backgrounds to do that. So I did my MBA at San Francisco And it was with a school called Halt International Business School. Great business school, (laughs) shout out there. And just everything happened from there. So I worked for Jawbone. I worked for Salesforce and for DocuSign. And I guess last year I moved to London and I saw how sustainability was being done in London. It was just next level. Being from San Francisco, I thought, oh, we're super sustainable, this and that. But like in London, I can walk to a corner convenience store and get a refill of my shampoo, bringing my own shampoo bottle. There's tons of refill stores where it's all zero waste and you bring in reusable bags and you weigh things. And I'm like, wow, there's so much to be done there. How can we inspire people to think about these things and do these things more? And that's how I started Clever Carbon. Wow. So at some point, do you have this realization that labeling is the right opportunity for you to bring back to America? Help us understand exactly what the Eureka moment was Mm -hmm. and what said, Michelle, stop what you're doing and go all in on this new opportunity. So when I originally started my own thing in sustainability, I was doing something different. I was looking at doing something more around like a lifestyle type of blog thing where we write articles about sustainable things and teach people about should use a plastic bag or a usable bag. But when I really got down into the research, and it's probably because I have an analytics background doing my master's and everything, I realized that it all came down to the data. Like, why should you use a plastic bag or a reusable bag? And when you can quantify the impact of a reusable mug versus a disposable mug, any other product, it's the quantification of this or that. And when you can see the difference, that's where it really hits home. It's where you can make changes is when you can measure your impact. I I love it. One of the things that has struck me as one of the more challenging obstacles in the broader carbon footprinting space is you have your classic cold start problem. You need Mm -hmm. enough regular consumers who want to see this information on products. And then you need to have brands who are forward thinking enough to understand that there's a lot of value in showing this information. There's mm-hmm. a story to tell. There's a accountability piece. There's mostly reciprocating demand in some scenarios. So some companies have thought about the opportunity in different ways. I'd love to hear, what do you think your wedge is? What gets you excited about footprinting literacy? And where does Clever Carbon fit in this kind of broader pie chart in the opportunity? Yeah, I think it's two things. So 
Right now, we have a bit of a chicken and egg problem because there are great companies out there that have started carbon labeling. These are hip companies, forward thinking, with a focus on sustainability. And it's not easy to carbon label. You're being transparent. A lot of the times when companies carbon label, they actually publish also a report so that they're very transparent about their supply chain, the vendors that they use, the warehouses and and, and whatnot. It's not easy to do that. Oatly is one of the pioneers of carbon labeling when I think about that. And Carbon Cloud definitely is a company to note who helped Oatly with that. Since then, there's been Allbirds as well that's done that. Other brands like Tenzing and Panties in Brazil and, and Nude in Brazil as well. And I think right now the chicken and egg problem is that these companies are publishing the data, but everyone's scratching their head and being like, okay, this is 0.48 kilograms of CO2, but that means nothing to me because I can't compare it with another oat milk that also shows similar data or another form of like dairy milk that shows a similar data. So really what Clever Carbon is trying to do is raise carbon footprint literacy so more people understand just footprint in general. If I eat a banana, what's the footprint? If I eat a serving of chicken or beef, what is that in my footprint? If I run a hot shower for 10 minutes, what is it? That's not exactly related to carbon labeling, but it's really the entire carbon literacy picture. And as more consumers understand their carbon footprint, they are going to start asking for it. And we're really just going to accelerate this movement. Like for Mm -hmm. me, I I feel give it five years, the government's going to start stepping in and regulating and, you know, hopefully making this sort of mandatory. Something that resonated with me just there is when you speak about how people understand new types of information, when you give people a new type of metric, if you can't compare it, you can't. You don't mm-hmm. understand the broader context. It doesn't stick with people. You can't f- understand the fundamentals. You can't understand the scale. Is this a low emissive product, a highly emissive product? And so when thinking about footprinting, really what more brands should do is – Tell the story around how a given footprint compares to some type of comparable product, some substitute. And we have a couple things that we can explore today, but the one that I think has been super interesting is the coffee menu. Y'all have Mm -hmm. done something super interesting around a certain thing that hundreds of thousands of people interact with every day. So talk us through Mm -hmm. the coffee menu and the Clever and Carbon take on this. Yes, I love the coffee menu for so many reasons. It really embodies what we're trying to do at Clever Carbon. Before I talk about the coffee menu, really what's very unique about Clever Carbon is our brand. If you go to our website or you go to our Instagram, you can immediately see that we are not like other sustainability sort of nonprofits. First of all, we are not a nonprofit. We don't make a profit, but that's something for another discussion, Peter. Um, We are a lifestyle sort of pop culture hip company. Like you come onto our website and our Instagram, are we Urban Outfitters or are we Clever Carbon? I don't know. Let's find out. 
And we want to just make sustainability just normal. We really spent a lot of resources on the marketing and on the design piece. And that's ultimately where the coffee menu came from. Coffee is such a pop culture item. Everybody loves it. It's super relatable. And coffee is also, to me, a huge opportunity If you think about all the different coffee cups that are out there, how many people do you see on the street walking with a cup and a lid and maybe a sleeve sometimes? And that's what really made me want to create the coffee menu is how do we show people the impact of a lid? You can get a paper cup. That's fine. Do that. But do you really need the lid? And again, it's showing people and quantifying the impact. And in addition to that, there's things like choices, plant-based milk versus dairy milk. You don't know the difference until you see it. And when you see it, you're like, oh, okay, I understand. And it's all about these little pieces of data that help you make what we call hashtag clever carbon decisions in your everyday life. And hopefully when you go to a coffee shop and you see the coffee menu, you'll just start thinking about these things more. And right now it's difficult because during the pandemic, a lot of shops for hygiene reasons aren't taking keep cups and reusable cups. That doesn't mean that we can't educate consumers now. We need to do it ASAP and trying to get coffee shops in Brooklyn to adopt it because I've got like 10 of them in a frame. And yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I I just want to echo what you just said. If y'all want to go check out listening right now, clevercarbon.io, it is full of personality. And something that I appreciate most is just how the brand talks. It speaks in a way that the average Jill and Joe can understand without having to Google what a word means. I'd love to hear beyond the coffee menu, Michelle. What are some other Clever Carbon initiatives that you're particularly proud of? I have so many things that I'm really proud of. I've got a really great team, a team of almost like nine volunteers now, and we create a lot of really cool content. But one of the things that's really cool that we've been doing is our celebrity badges. When you come to Clever Carbon, our sort of our main site, you scroll through and you learn a little bit about carbon footprint. And at the bottom, you can do this two minute quiz. It's five, six questions. It's super easy. It's super quick. And after you do the quiz, you get a badge and you can actually personalize it. You can put your name, um, you can choose the color, and then you can take a screenshot and then post it to Instagram or to to LinkedIn. And we've had over 8,000 people do the quiz today. And that's you going in and doing it. But we also have a different version of the badge and the badge is really cute right it's meant to be very visually pleasing so that you would actually want to post it and we have a celebrity version of the badge that we make so the idea there is how do we scale this how do we scale carbon footprint literacy and one of the ways to do it is to engage celebrities it's a long shot but the return makes it worth it to us. And it also tells a really interesting story. What we've been doing is we've been creating badges for um, celebrities that have been doing good. So 
Emma Watson, Zac Efron, Michelle Obama, Rosario Dawson. We've got an exciting one coming out today as well. I don't want to spill the beans on that, so I'll let everyone look that one up. But what we do is we sometimes take the city of their birth and we take the carbon footprint of the average person in that um, location. And then we write about the great things that they've been doing. We've been highlighting their philanthropy work or, or whatnot. And we also get to tag other accounts. We get to tag their fan accounts. Joaquin Phoenix has so many fans out there with his work in Big January and, and animal rights and everything. And we attract more people that way. And these people will then take the quiz or they'll share the badge on their stories. And someday we hope that a celebrity that we highlight will actually pick this up in their feed and endorse it by just sharing it on their profile. I love it. The last thing, and this is where you could tell everything that you're doing at Club and Carbon is just reverse engineered from what people care about, where's people attention. And something that's interesting is your Spotify playlist. You, mm-hmm. You've developed this playlist that is designed around some other core ethos that's representative of what Clever Carbon cares about in the broader mission. But just mm-hmm. finding these non-obvious ways to connect with listeners and bring them into the Clever Carbon funnel. So maybe tell listeners what is all about this Spotify playlist. And in addition to that, what is the Clever Cap? What are these two kind of other Clever Carbon products that you've deployed recently? Yeah, so our Spotify playlist is really, it's very punny and funny as a result. And basically, it's a playlist that has songs that are dedicated to carbon dioxide, which is, quote unquote, a bad thing. And usually they're breakup songs that we nominate to the list. Adele's Rolling in the Deep, Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball. We take a snippet of the lyrics and we uh, post it on our Instagram. We've got a really nice visual background that we use and we nominate the song and then we tag the artists, we send it to their fans and we hashtag Spotify. And again, that just allows us to increase the number of people that we can get exposure to. And we've got a list of around 40-ish songs now. And it, it, I also really love music myself. And I'm a huge EDM fan. And I've tagged like Don Diablo. We've got Porter Robinson. We've got like lots of cool artists. And one that I really want to do also is Nora Onpure. She's really awesome. And she's actually got a ton of songs that are related to nature. And I'm just waiting for the right time to get her attention as well. But another note on our Spotify and music and our celebrities is, so Peter, have you watched Insecure on HBO by Issa Rae? Love that show. Yes. Oh my God. I love that show too. And like bringing these two things together, pop culture, celebrities, music, the Insecure playlist is probably one of my favorite playlists of all time. And I just love the show Insecure. And it's such a, it's, it's like pop culture to its core. So what I actually did is I um, tried to contact Isa and their production company. And I wrote 
four scenes that they could use in the next season of Insecure to bring up Clever Carbon and Carbon Footprint. It's pretty funny, actually. See, that's what it takes, though. You want Clever Carbon to go from zero to one. Like, it takes outrageous things like that. Right? It's, it's, It's outrageous. It's literally, sometimes I'm like, am I crazy? But then I'm like, you know that like we're trying to save the planet and that's actually something that's also really important to clever carbon is that we actually don't position it that way we never use the words like climate crisis emergency and that's like part of the brand if we want to get a celebrity Issa Rae or just anyone behind us we have to be very non- polarizing in that way and also people don't want to see things on their feed that's emergency and like just what i'm talking about so we we have to be very gentle and that's why maybe a show like insecure could someday include one of these four scenes that i wrote (laughs) in one of the seasons hbo hello if you're listening No, it, exactly. it does take it takes a little bit of crazy to to will something with this much potential into existence. Uh, what I want to better understand, Michelle, is you have you clearly understand pop culture better than most people. Your the entire brand ethos is so smart, thoughtful. It's so cute. I, I want to better understand how does Clever Carbon mm-hmm. self sustain long term. What are some of the monetization opportunities that you're thinking about looping in at some point in the future? This is the next big thing that I am working on right now. So as of last week, I am now working on Clever Carbon full time. So my cushy tech job that I had before, I no longer have that. And what that creates is more time for me to spend on Clever Carbon. But what that also means is that the resources that I was using for Clever Carbon has now been stopped. So I really need to think and, and, and focus on how are we going to create revenue? But this is a really interesting point, Peter, because I've gotten feedback like you need to be a nonprofit so people can donate money to you and it can be matching and I fundamentally, this is the problem. You're not going to donate if it's not doubled or tax deductible, then we have a problem in society. You know what I mean? If it is all about convenience and what's in it for me, we are going to have a really hard time fighting this problem that we call climate change. We need to put away our notions of like, donations and whatnot and just focus on, okay, how do we make this big? How do we help? And back to your original question, you know, around revenue. If revenue was it was measured not with monetization, but with impact and with positivity, we'd be at Clever Carbon, we we'd be doing okay. But unfortunately that's not how society measures and rewards this type of company like Clever Carbon and what we're doing. So now I have to spend my time finding ways to monetize, which actually takes away from my original initiative of just getting this out into the world. So I have a double problem. How do I get as many people to take the quiz as possible? And how do I also make money out of it? And I've got a few ideas, but it's hard. It's hard because it, it 
again, Mm -hmm. the work that I would be doing to make revenue, I don't want to charge for partnerships. I want to help small companies out. I want to help them get started in carbon labeling. I don't want to charge the money. But then how how do I sustain this? How do I, because I use a lot of design resources. We're working on stuff. We're, we're adding another sort of huge web page to our site in the next few weeks. It's something that I'm thinking about right now, and I don't have the silver bullet yet. Yeah, when I think about some of the opportunities, and you look at Climate Neutral, they've structured themselves as a nonprofit. They do these super accessible life cycle assessments for companies that want to come on board. And it feels this is, it's, think about it. There are hundreds of thousands of companies that at some point will have to label their products and their associated Mm -hmm. footprint. And so at minimum, it feels given your domain expertise plus how cool and hip the brand has been positioned, feels the sum of both of those things. You could be this critical resource to a ton of companies that would like to get over the finish line but don't know how to, would want to pay for your services to help them do that. Maybe there's some type of automated way that they come onto your site. There's some companies that do this. You go through this kind of long questionnaire that helps people Mm. self-serve. But I don't know. It feels like Clever Carbon, at minimum, has an opportunity to help support a bunch of companies that want to get to that finish line but just don't know how to yet. Yeah, I definitely think there is an opportunity there. And we are actually working on a carbon labeling guide to help small businesses understand like what it takes, what resources do you need, how long is it? And we've got an FAQ section and I'm super excited about that. Shout out to Emily at Tenzing for really helping us um, put this together because they just went through the process themselves. And yeah, there there is that possibility for sure. And I'm not ruling that out. I just, what I love is getting the word out, getting people to do the quiz and all the pop culture stuff. But yes, I do have to be a responsible adult, Peter. <laughs> um, Michelle, I have one more question before we, we go to the bookends, which is the moonshot for Clever Carbon. Mm-hmm. If we think through the next few years, all the stars align. What mm-hmm. is the impact potential for a company like Clever Carbon? I I can see our little Clever Carbon logo on some packaging, like maybe a Clever Carbon aligned product or even a Clever Carbon aligned company because something else that we're looking at is sustainability programs at workplaces. A lot of companies are doing this now, especially on the larger side. There are definitely small companies that do too, but like companies that have green teams, um, sustainability initiatives to help employees live more sustainable lives. Looking at if I buy swag, how can I make this more sustainable? Can I actually even give an employee the opportunity to opt out and having these regulations, not regulations, but just like guidelines and we're actually exploring that as well. Molly on our team, actually, she told me about your podcast, Peter, and and she's the one that's looking into this. So there's 
a corporate side to clever carbon as well. So really, there's no limits. We because carbon footprint applies to everybody. So it in that aspect, it's limitless. M- Michelle, w- what I love to do before I part ways with any guests is dive into this notion of the idea graveyard. Yeah, I imagine your bandwidth is is pretty limited at this moment. You've got all cylinders firing into the Clever Carbon basket. But I'd love to hear if you do have any in your notes app, what are one of these ideas that maybe one day you'd love to work on if you have the time to do, but for now, is just rotting away in your idea graveyard? Yeah. Is it okay if it's not sustainability related? Oh, it could be anything's fair game. Okay. So I was a sales engineer for, you know, over five years. And one of the points of sort of friction is demos. Sales engineers, they know the software really well and they demo a lot. So they have all these techniques to make the product come alive. But there's a scale problem for companies. It's not that easy to hire sales engineers. There are one to many resources. One sales engineer might support three to even 10 salespeople or even more. And so there's a bandwidth problem. And AEs want demos, account executives, they want demos, but the SE doesn't really have time. And a lot of the times there's also no resources to teach AEs how to demo, so it's not really fair to them. So what I would love to do is create a product that essentially makes demos for the AEs so that they can like click through and tell a story, but not necessarily have to click through the product because it's super daunting to open up a product and then have the customer be like, oh, can you click on that? Or can you click on that? Or the internet goes down and you can't even demo. So create some sort of product that allows an AE to have some swim lanes to demo within so that they don't have to rely on the sales engineer as much. I actually think that there's like a good business um, case there. And if anyone wants to take the idea, go for it. <laughs> oh, I like that. It, it kind of it reminds me of Loom. If Loom were met with this flexible table of content structure where an AE could go into this kind of left sidebar, click on a particular mm-hmm. part of the product suite, and then it mm-hmm. starts some type of pre-designed or just a video playback of that piece of the demo. Mm-hmm. E- either way, I-, I-, I hear you on that. And I think Loom has been, at least in some capacity, super mm-hmm. helpful, I imagine. I haven't used it before, but I the amount of times I see some product with a little talking head in the bottom left corner <laughs> has increased yeah. every year. It's uh, it's a mix between Loom and Figma or Envision. So like Figma and Envision, they do mm-hmm. like wireframing and prototyping so you can like click through. But yeah, it'd be nice to have a little talk track to go with it. And that's where kind of Loom would come in. So yeah. Love it. Michelle, uh, I'd love to roll the red carpet. Are there any final call to actions, hiring needs, anything that you want to leave with our listeners, the floor is yours. Yeah, absolutely. We have so many fun projects that we haven't even 
started on because we, you know, have bandwidth limitations. So definitely looking for passionate people who have crazy ideas just like I do and always welcoming these people to join our team. And yeah, take the quiz, share the badge. The more people that know about their carbon footprint, the more sustainable our world will be. Hell yeah. And again, everyone, that's clevercarbon.io. Michelle, congrats and hell yeah for making the leap from side hustle to full time. I'm so pumped to follow along over the next however many years and see Clever Carbon go from this little thing to the default label on products or whatever comes next. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Peter. Hey there, you made it to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. We're actively casting for new guests on our show. So if you have a rock star founder or company in mind that's working on something cool, message me on Instagram at Peter A. Levin or email us, hello at ingothands.us. Thank you so much again and look forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.